Hola mis amigos, saludos desde la playa de Samre en Costa Rica. Bienvenidos al episodio 4 de tercera temporada de La Gente Loco Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm just practicing my Spanish as I'm in Costa Rica. Welcome to Season 3, Helping the Homeless of Local Folks Podcast. In this fourth episode, we're going to meet some of the local folks who volunteer at the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center. Tiana, Pete, and John are three longtime residents of Corvallis who volunteer at the CDDC, and I want to let them do most of the talking about their work helping the homeless. To that end, I've combined clips from my conversations with them into four broad categories, which I will state at the beginning of each narrative, and then let them do most of the talking. To begin with, I asked each of them to talk a little bit about why they volunteer at the center. I would say what's led me to do what I do here mm -hmm. is because my whole entire life I have cared for the city of Corvallis and um, every single person that lives in this town is my neighbor, mm -hmm. regardless whether they're on the hill, a doctor, somebody sleeping in a tent or under the bridge, they're my neighbors and I love each and every one of them. Some of these people that walk through these doors are the people that I went to school with and I don't, it, it breaks my heart that they're in the position that they're in, and I just want to help them. And then there's people that have walked through the store that have, when my brother had had a stroke and was at a bus station leaning against it, um, they rode their bicycle by and thought it uh, didn't look right, came back and called an ambulance for my brother. Those two gentlemen come in, come in here quite often. You know, um, I want to make sure that their needs are always met. Uh, it actually started about 11 years ago, and there was another program called Project Action, and where they were linking uh, uh, people without homes with people with homes in the community. Uh, so I mean, that was the first thing I did. I was an advocate for one of the uh, one of the people, mm -hmm. and that worked really well. In fact, he lived with us for a couple of years. And I knew about the drop-in center, mm -hmm. and uh, walking down the street right here in Madison one day, and Alita came by, and I just, out of the blue, said, Alita, I'd kind of like to get, you know, uh, take a look at the drop-in center and see if I could get involved here. And I did, and I've been working uh, at least two days a week, ten years. Tell lots of people on the streets. And it was clear that they weren't, you know, they weren't being cared for. They were kind of at odds. It was, and so it seemed to me that um, I felt I had an obligation, actually, to, to do what I could for these folks. Partly from a religious basis, you know, mm -hmm. I, felt, I felt that was my, my calling as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I realized that... that um, I, don't have, I didn't have any particular skills. I'm not a social worker, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I thought, well, it was something I should do, and at least I'd try doing it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what I would be doing. And what do they do to help people who come into the center? I do every uh, I do everything from the computer to the food to uh, to um, 
helping um, helping with issues that arise, behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. um, I do dishes, I um, unplug toilets, anything that needs to be done in this building that mm -hmm. I, um, I pretty much do as a lead person. I think very. I think if you're a lead person, you need to be willing to do everything, even flush it, even plunge a toilet. toilet. Right, yeah. yeah, unplug a toilet, yeah. which is not um, what you would call a pleasant task. No, <laughs> no. Um, there's been days where um, I've had to hold the hair of uh, a lady while she's detoxing. And so while she's um, throwing up, she's detoxing, her hair doesn't get wet. Me personally? Just you personally, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I keep an eye on everything. Uh, and if I see that uh, the uh, people doing the kitchen area or the food area need help or we don't have enough volunteers, well, I'll do that. And, um, and I'm a, uh, one of the lead volunteers. I don't know if that's been explained. No, not at all. Please well, Alita, Alita needs time away. And so the idea was to train certain volunteers to be able to take her place that could um, basically handle whatever comes up. Because some of the volunteers would be very difficult for them to handle uh, fighting or sometimes medical emergencies and things like that. So that's, and, and also uh, knows basically the routines of the drop-in center. So what's your role here at the CDC? Well, what I do, uh, sort of on a regular basis, my work, you might say, is to uh, check people in and out, uh, take people when they need to go someplace to get a driver's license or to the doctor or whatnot. I've done some of that. Um, to run errands, get milk, get mail, get <laughs> <laughs> donations, sort of, at, you know, hand man at large, and uh, mostly checking people in and out. So what do you, what, if you were to think about what's your most important function or role or impact, not so much, just what do you think the most important thing you do Oh, I think yeah, it's just, Reading the, the folks that come in here and not, you know, just sort of accepting them as they are, and not, you know, not trying to push or find out or, or be their friends or you know their real friends, but but just to um, just to welcome them mm -hmm. and let them, you know, let them feel as welcome as I can. And I also think it's important that. Um, People who are volunteers here have a good rapport and a good, good spirit among them. Otherwise, it's that helps. So to try and promote that, I think. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? How, what, what kinds of things do you do to promote, promote, promote that good spirit? Well, just sort of accept the people where they are. Some of them they come in from day to day, and they're and they're not. Um, it may not be their best day. So just let that go and be as pleasant as I can. People come in here, we've been drinking, we've had all kinds of issues. Sometimes they're fine, you know, and the next day they not, may not be so fine, just sort of accept them 
day by day as they are. Here's Tiana, Pete, and John talking about what they have gained from volunteering at the CDDC. Um, I think that I just truly love helping people. And I also think that, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but um, I also think that it's what God wants us to do. Is no, to, if your faith it's, informs what you do, that's fine. That's, yeah, that's um, yeah I, uh, I'm a member of um, First Christian Church of Corvallis my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, they've pretty much been involved with helping people. and um, But yeah, my faith does have a lot to um, why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of it, it is because of how I was raised. I was raised to help people. I don't know any different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and then uh, I, in my twenties, uh, I became very sick with a. Uh, I have an extra portion in my pancreas, and so uh, I've had health problems uh, from that for the last 22 years, and spent a lot of time in hosp- hospitals and and stuff like that. And so, to be completely honest with you, this gives me some social social ala- social elation. Can't say that word correctly. Social relations. Yeah, yeah, like you know, um, um, talking to people, and and you know, otherwise I would just be at my house doing nothing, and that's not helping anybody. But um, I do get, um, I do enjoy being able to talk to people and uh, interact with people, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's just human nature, mm-hmm. you know. So I do get that out of it. Mm-hmm. The reason I come now is because I really enjoy being here. I have made so many friends um, among the our clients, also the volunteers, mm-hmm. our clients, and uh, and one advantage of having been here so long is that I've gotten to know them. So you kind of put things in the bank. So when there is an issue, you know, I'm sure you as a teacher know that too. You know, if you're that metaphor that you just used, putting it in the bank. That's exactly right, I think, with students that I work with. If I built a relationship with them and let them know that I cared for them and I valued them and I thought they were good people, there were times when I had to call that back. So I'd like to return to something that you said, that you really enjoy being here. What personally, what kinds of joy do you get from your association here and from working with the guests? I don't know, just generally, it's nice to come in and, and exchange greetings with people, you know. And um, there's a few that I sit down with. Um, humor's a lot of it for me. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I to record. You look like a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah, you ought to record a session when I talk with the Doug. Doug, <laughs> because uh, he gets pretty wild. That's great. That's great. That's great. So, if I can, if I could paraphrase, what it sounds like to me is, um, in some ways, this is a social place for you. Mm-hmm. You know, to make contact with people you consider to be your friends and people that you enjoy being with. Yeah. And so that's this is my group. This is my group now. I used to belong 
poems out to the, uh, like even the Friends meeting, the Quaker meeting, mm -hmm. my wife still continues. But I find this is my, my group. I've got health issues now that are making it, I, I have to not be here as much, mm -hmm. but I will continue as long as I can. So. Continue as long as you can. Yep. Uh, congratulations. Well, I think the best thing I can do for other people is listen. Just listen. And mm, encourage if that's, if that's appropriate. And when you say encourage, could you extend on that? Well, during this time, I've had the, had, I've had heart, I've dealt with heart issues, a couple of them. And, uh, you know, I was so blessed, I just came through them fine. And, you know, it happened so fast that I didn't have time to worry about it ahead of time. And, but I, but that, if I had thought about that ahead of time, I would have been a mess. But I didn't have to be. I didn't have to be. And I talked with, uh, friends of mine who have, you know, people my age, guys, friends I've known for, for years, and I, and they, um, they say, I, you know, I'm depressed, and so then they started telling me all about their family and their wives and all this good stuff going on, and I said, you don't have any reason to be depressed, <laughs> which I don't know whether they do or not, but it, it, they sort of start to think about that a little bit, you know, oh, maybe I don't so much, and I, I, I have to do to do that with myself too. I don't think I don't know if that has anything to do with homelessness, but but it's part, sort of, of your, part of your work is, is I think one of the things that is interesting is to see what other people have to go through. Sometimes it does help. Oh yeah. You can say, hey, I got a knot. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I guess another thing that's just helpful for me is my kids really are supportive of all this. They they they're. Uh, they're kids that have a, some, I would call it, social awareness. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's uh, and, I, and my wife too, so it's, it's fine, go do this, you should do this, you need to do this, yes. At the close of our discussions, I asked Tiana, Pete, and John if there was any message they wanted to share with listeners. You don't know from minute to minute if something's going to happen to you. You could walk off this sidewalk and you could hit your head and you could uh, have brain damage and you could lose your job, you could lose your house, you could lose everything that you have and you could be on the street. And uh, you're not able to ride a car because you have brain damage, but you can ride a bicycle. Do you want people screaming at you when you ride by? When we were on 2nd Street for a short amount of time, there was a lot of tension with businesses downtown. And I was going to my car and one of them, one of the business owners had come up to me and um, was very, very rude. And I could have been very rude back, but I chose not to be. And um, I said, you know what, ma'am? I just want you to know that if your husband leaves you and uh, you don't have you don't have his money anymore 
and you have to support just yourself because I know this lady very well. I know she's, you know, and you have nothing. I want you to know that even though you are so extremely rude to all of us volunteers and treat us so badly that if you walk through our door, we would hug you and greet you and feed you and we would help you in any way get back on your feet, even though you say the ugliest things to us because you're a human being and you're part of this city, so we care about you, even though you try to stab us in the back and say mean, ugly things to us all the time. And she got a tear down her face and just turned and walked away from me. You know, and, um, but that's simple, it's the truth here. So here's um, something that um, one of the, uh, uh, I met Amy, so I think is a guest. Amy, I think her name is, she's a guest here. And, I was talking to her, and one of the things that she said, and then other people, a couple of the other guests said similar things to me, when it came up very quickly, when I mean, we were just talking, it came up really fast, was how, how hurt they are and, and afraid and, and, and damaged by them. people yelling at them. You know, so they're on their bike or in the neighborhood, and somebody comes out and says, Get out of here, you know, or take you there. Yeah, I've witnessed some of that out on the street. Go get a job. So, so somebody going by in a pickup truck. Exactly. So a question I have is, let's say you had the opportunity to talk to somebody who you knew had said something like that. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? What would you? I would them? invite them to come down here and meet some of the people. You know, firsthand meet some of these people and what they're facing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that that would be my approach. Would Rather you? than trying to explain or whatever, and I've done that a number of times. So would you speak I to would, I would like, you know, I invited at one point members of the city council a number of years ago come and spend, spend some time. I, over the years, again, Alita could fill in more on this than I can, but a few have, but very few, and from my point of view. And um, because as soon as I got to know some of the people here, that stereotype of the person sitting in front of the post office with a sign, with a sign, uh, just changed very, very quickly. I guess I would say these, these folks need some place to go. And they need some place to congregate where they aren't going to be hassled. They can just sort of sit and have a cup of coffee and talk with people if they want to or not, and just have a sort of a safe haven. The thing you just said that I think is so powerful to me is we're not going to manage your time. <laughs> we're going to provide you a place to be calm, safe, warm, coffee, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And then another thing that goes on here, but I, I don't, I can't participate in that because I just don't know all these amounts, but there's all kinds of services that they can tap into. But it's really up to them to, we're not pushing them to do certain things, but they have the opportunity to find out about services that the community and social workers come here. Yeah.
Yeah, social workers, healthcare workers. Healthcare workers. All kinds of people. And then there's a phone service here for telephones. There's a phone. Bond. Yeah. It just seems like there's the kinds of almost like somatic the, the things that you really need in order to get your life back on track, yeah. a large measure of those things are, are available here if you choose to access them. If you choose and if they're, if they're the resources. As I listened to these volunteers talk about their work at the CDDC, I began to realize they were putting into practice effective principles for helping others I had heard in my talks with hospice volunteers and gleaners. Accept people for who they are. Make sure they know you value them. Validate their concerns and issues. Don't judge them. And offer services and help only when they are ready to accept them. Oh, and maybe celebrate the small victories like folks coming back every day to sit, drink coffee and talk, and not really expect anything more. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll come back for Episode 5, airing on February 1st, when we will meet Rick, the manager of Project Action at the CDDC. Rick was homeless for a number of years and is now providing needed services to help others as they work to change their lives and secure employment and housing. Oh, by the way, I'm sure you probably noticed a kind of an echo and possibly a little bit of background noise in the recordings of my voice. And um, I offer my apologies. Um, uh, a small beach town in Costa Rica is not an easy place to find a quiet spot to um, record. And uh, so this was the best I could come up with. I hope you don't find it too distracting. Portland.